With Capella University's FlexPath format, you can set your own deadlines, learn at your pace, and access most coursework from anywhere at any time. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. Today, Joe Biden's edge evaporates in a new national poll. Uh, California's Governor Newsom says we're not going back to normal. We'll get into that. And uh, Dallas salon owner Shelley Luther sentenced to seven days in jail for the awful crime of wanting to feed her family. We've got a lot to get into, folks, and it starts right now. Welcome to the News and Why It Matters. I'm Sarah Gonzalez, today joined by Jason Buttrell, Chief Researcher of the Glenn Beck Program. Thanks for being here. You're welcome also for giving you your one day out. Getting me out of the house. Love it. <laughs> Best one day, day out a week. <laughs> and uh, we are also joined by Josh Hammer, uh, who, by the way, new announcement, is a Blaze TV contributor. What? what? Yes, officially. <laughs> Sarah, despite the fact that, unlike my friend to my right, I have way too much hair, and I can't get <laughs> hair, and I probably look ridiculous on these cameras, I'm still thrilled to join. I can do something about that. I have my own clippers. Hey, <laughs> Not that desperate. <laughs> Friday. All right, Friday. Thank God. You go get your hair cut. I'm going to go get my nails done. It's going to be a wonderful day in Texas, finally. Uh, all right, we've got a lot to get into. So last week, Biden led the uh, Reuters poll by six points. Uh, Americans were expressing concern that, uh, you know, Trump was not effectively handling the coronavirus crisis. I know it's kind of gone back and forth with President Trump at the beginning uh, or, you know, after a few weeks in, they they thought maybe they did trust him and it's just kind of gone back and forth. Well, uh, Biden's lead is now down uh, and it keeps going down. Apparently, he led Trump by a staggering eight points about a month or so ago. And uh, now his lead is down. And uh, let's see. I'm missing it here. But uh, his lead is down. And there we go. He is two, only two points ahead of Trump. And that is, of course, in within the three points of the margin of error. So, I mean, again, I don't know how anyone looks at Joe Biden, watches him uh, on the news programs that he's on, sitting in his recreational room, and decides, yes, I trust him much better than I trust President Trump on the coronavirus, on the economy, on basically anything, including formulating sentences correctly. (laughs) Um, But I guess maybe that's a good thing. People, the more Joe Biden talks, people maybe are saying... I don't know that I really do trust this guy more than President Trump. What's crazy is the coronavirus, uh, once you get rid of all the spin from how it was handled in the beginning, which most of that is just bullcrap anyway, Mm -hmm. but once you get past that, this is revealing, I think, or exposing a lot of things that Donald Trump is going to take advantage of. Uh, For one, I mean, he was elected. I don't know what, he's got an uncanny ability to kind of reach out to certain voters and identify what pisses them off. And then leverage that into getting him elected. He did it in the past election mm-hmm. when he went to places like Michigan, you know, the Rust Belt, and was like, I'm, you know, I'm going to bring your jobs back to you. Uh, globalization is a problem. Everything being centralized in China, you know, that they're the world factory, that is a problem. He got elected on things like that. Then it went to where, you know, the, the trade, you know, war was kind of hurting some of those, uh, some of those businesses. He lost some votes. Yeah. But now, guess what, guess what's happening? We're just getting short of medication, things like that. They're actually calling into, you know, calling out the fact that China is, is a big problem with this. So I think that there's a lot of ebbs and flows in this. I think at the end of, at the end of the day, um, the world's not going back to the way it was. Mm. I do not believe. I think there's going to be a fundamental shift, um, all throughout the world, just as far as like how they handle trade. 
um, whether they just put all their eggs in one basket, whether they become, you know, more, you know, more of an economic, you know, nationalization. Maybe that's uh, um, a thing that, mm-hmm. you know, starts to come. I think I guess we're already seeing that, really. Um, but I think that Trump is going to benefit from that. So I think that to make, you know, to sum all this ridiculously long explanation up is that I think that the things that were being exposed in the very beginning, people were kind of nervous about. Biden was, you know, kind of capitalizing on that. But now as we go, you know, further and further on, as people are losing their jobs, mm-hmm. as, you know, some people in the more progressive areas of the country are saying, no, let's stay locked down till the year 2075. Um, they're like, OK, enough is enough. We've got to move forward. We've got to do things like what the president is saying and open up the economy. And we have to change things like our reliance on China. But Biden doesn't stand for that. Mm. He should because he's like the blue collar Uncle Joe lunchbox guy, mm-hmm. but he doesn't, and people are starting to figure that out. Yeah. Josh, what are your thoughts? You know, Sarah, back in law school, one thing that they do is they'll introduce like a bizarre hypothetical as a way to try and teach you the law, and invariably in in, in the class, someone tries to fight back and tries to tries to fight the hypothetical, and the law school professor always <laughs> says, "Don't fight the hypothetical, just take it." I'm going to fight the hypothetical here in a, in a bit of cosmic revenge for my law school professors I didn't like. <laughs> so the hypothetical that I'm pushing back upon is that the polls matter because the polls literally just do not matter right now. It is, <laughs> it, it is May 6, 2020. Four years ago on May 6, 2016, Donald Trump had just defeated Ted Cruz in Indiana three days earlier. I knew because I was there. I was in wow. the crowd in, in Union Station in Indianapolis when Ted got out of the race. So I, mean, I, I remember the date very well. At that point in time, Donald Trump, I don't remember the exact polls, was assuredly a gargantuan underdog against Hillary Clinton. And obviously, we know what happened. So, you know, I'm not going to just like literally say, like, throw away the polls, but I'm basically saying throw away the polls because they just don't actually matter at this point. But Jason's making all the correct substantive points, by the way. I mean, uh, I wrote a column two and a half months ago encouraging Trump to reframe this election once we get out of this madness. And hopefully we're getting out, obviously, sooner rather than later. Thank God we are in Texas are doing that. Trump needs to reframe the 2020 election as a referendum on U.S.-China relations yeah. because Donald Trump, especially in his social stratum, in, in terms of the New York kind of wealthy real estate elite class, has always stood out versus his peers because there's always been kind of a bipartisan neoliberal consensus that has supported free trade, free borders, free globalization with China. Donald Trump, who always has had more populist instincts, obviously, he opposed NATO in the 90s. He was kind of like a Pat Buchanan kind of a, you know reform party type guy, has always been more skeptical skeptical of trade with China. He's always supported a more kind of industrial policy, kind of bring our supply chains back home rhetoric. He's always been a hawk on sanctions on the Chinese Communist Party. This is his terrain. This is his issue. And Joe Biden is also uniquely vulnerable on this issue. Back in 2000 to 2001, he kind of shepherded in China to the WTO. He got China most favored nation status, the World Trade Organization. Biden, obviously, his son Hunter in 2013 accompanied Uncle Joe to Shanghai. He kind of cashed out on this Shanghai private equity firm. He's still making lucrative dollars to that to this very day. So Biden is a total, total train wreck beyond vulnerable on this issue. So if Trump can frame the 2020 election as a referendum on how to respond to this once-a-lifetime fluke on U.S.-China relations, he will be in very, very good shape. And I would encourage him to do exactly that. Do you guys see, uh, though, because usually, historically, when we look at how the economy is doing, that usually is the the basis that people use to, to place their vote, right? If the economy is doing well, they want to keep the incumbent. If the economy is not doing well, they usually want to bring in someone new. 
But I just feel like, you know, to your point about the polls, I just feel like it's really hard, A, to rely on the polls, but B, to rely on history to tell us this because it's so unprecedented. Mm -hmm. The reason that the economy is doing so poorly, I mean, you can't look at Donald Trump and say he did anything wrong. While I know that the left likes to say they put both things on him, right? They'll say, well, there are this many, you know, over 60,000 Americans have died and we've lost this many jobs. And I'm like, well, which one? I mean, like, you can't hit him on both. You can't ding him on both. If you're going to ding him for the for the people who have died, then you can't count the jobs because what you're saying is he should have done, you know, he's got to do something about the death. So he's shutting the things down. If you're going to say something about the jobs lost, then you can't ding him for all of the deaths. So it's just it'll be interesting to see how this plays out. But I certainly don't feel like history when it comes to the economy can be really a predictor of this year's election. You're absolutely right. There's no precedent for this right. whatsoever. This is not a recession that we stumbled into as some kind of cyclical thing that right. every capitalist nation goes through or economy. Um, or some this, sort of bad economic policy under Donald Trump. Right. Yeah. Well, it's a bad economic policy. But the bad right. economic policy was a forced shutdown. A right. forced shutdown. Right. A for, this is a forced recession. Mm-hmm. So normally in a recession, if they're going to hand out bailout money, they'll say, okay, we're going to give out some money, go out and spend it. That's not what happened here. They're like, okay, we're going to give you some money because we're forcing you into a recession and we don't want you going to spend it. Right. We want you to use this just to stay alive and to pay your rent. That's a, I, I can't ever imagine when that's that, – no, that's just never happened before. It hasn't. I think where this might start to change is that the president is one of, one of the only voices, really. Um, there's other, other states, you know, like uh, Governor Abbott in Texas and a few others, that are saying, okay, enough is enough. We've got to start opening up the economy. But then you have other you know, progressive governors and you know, states that are saying, no, 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 we're going to keep this down. For ludicrous amounts of time. Like, I've yeah. seen July, August. We'll reassess then. Are you kidding me? Yeah. Like, the money that they have available already isn't enough. So, on one hand, you have the people saying, let's continue to, you know, to, to bear the pain. On the other hand, you have the president saying, let's get the economy going. If When he's the only one with that megaphone, he's going to be the only one that has the credibility when they stand up in front of the debate and say, look, I'm the one trying to jumpstart this. Mm-hmm. You're obviously, on the other hand, wanting to keep things the way they are. Something's got to change or we're screwed. Yeah, Josh, your thoughts? So the problem with the way the president has handled this pandemic, in, it's kind of honestly emblematic of a broader theme with Trump. His rhetoric and his policies are just not in sync with one another. Um, and we, 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 we've seen yeah. this obviously over and over again throughout the Trump presidency. But rhetorically, obviously, throughout this, like the tweeting, like, you know, all caps, will the cure be worse than the disease? And then like on the policy, he's just like deferring to, Bur- to Burks and Fauci and everything, mm-hmm. right? And again, we see this, we've seen this over and over again with Trump. I mean, foreign policy is honestly a great example. I mean, by instinct, again, going back to the Pat Buchanan thing that we just talked about, Trump is kind of like a bring our troops home kind of guy by instinct. But we're still in Afghanistan. And like, you know, we, we signed this peace deal with the Taliban. I guess we'll see what happens with that. But like, we're, we're still there. And like, we're still in a lot of places that Trump, at least rhetorically, has said we should get out of. And that's because on the one hand, he kind of signals to his base via Twitter and by other means. But on policy, even though he's commander in chief and he's the head of the entire executive branch, he does tend to defer to people who can easily influence him. It's a weird way. To, I'm not really sure how to explain all that. But what I would encourage him to do is to stand with your people. Stand with the people who elected you in 2016. It was we the people. It was a populist uprise. It was a revolution. And the people who elected Donald Trump in 2016 are not the blue checkmark, bi-coastal, ruling class clerisy that can just sit back and telecommute easily and just, like, work from home. No, the people who elected Donald Trump 
are the people who have lost their jobs, the people who have had their 401ks, their savings just utterly obliterated. <laughs> the small business owners, the manufacturing workers, the assembly line workers. That's who Trump should be listening to right now. Those are his people. And if he wants to win this fall, he needs to get his base in line ASAP. Yeah. And I mean, you know, it might be different if the person who was challenging him was someone who could speak coherently. Who could, you know, coherently come up with some sort of agenda that maybe sounded like, hey, you guys are in pain right now. You know, you guys in flyover country, you are hurting right now. You're out of jobs. I understand that. I can help you with that. But we've got someone who can't who can't do that. I mean, who really I'm sorry, but like he's he should be off the stage. He should be at home eating pudding with his family. Like he should not be up there. It's a massive fail, too, because that's what I I was worried Sick. If they brought someone up there who oh. really could articulate that, it would be very scary. The speechwriter that wrote the speech that he did, I've talked about it on the yes. show before, but this was before he officially declared, although we all knew he was Biden was going to declare. Mm-hmm. He went to Michigan, and, I, and it was some union, I think, that he was talking to, or a factory or something like that. And, oh, my gosh, his speech was amazing. And he was all talking about, you know, helping them, all the working people, all the blue. That's how Clinton... You know, rolled right into victory, you know, and that's how Democrats took over for eight years. That's all they need to do. That's what Donald Trump was able to do. Mm -hmm. You kind of just stole that away from them. But all they need to do is have that have him be that guy. He's just not capable. Mm -hmm. Right now is the perfect time for him to take, you know, to to be those non blue check marks, which are so infuriating, by the way. Yeah, totally. All the people that are like, oh, my gosh, how stupid those stupid blue check marks. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, As we all. I know. Oh, crap. (laughs) Everyone else, not us. All right. But but even still, they're like, how dare you defy that? You know, how dare that chick like Shelly, which I think we're going to talk about later. How dare those people? Shut up. You're like you're one. You're like me. Like, I'm still getting money. I I have the ability to work from home. The problem is I have the ability to recognize that there's millions of other people that don't have a job. That's not a problem. That's called empathy. Empathy. That's good for you to have. They don't have it. Absolutely insane. Yeah. Uh, All right. Coming up, we will get into what uh, Governor Newsom has said about California. This is terrifying to me. I can't wait to get, uh, gentlemen, your take on this. First, we want to thank our sponsor, NetSuite. So the last few months have taught us what is really important in our lives. It's also taught us what we need to eliminate or change. Now, it's the same for business. What are the changes you need to be making? You probably have a pretty good idea, but, you know, maybe you have a hairball of multiple software systems. Uh, You don't actually need to do that. You can streamline with one software system. You just need NetSuite by Oracle. It is the world's number one cloud business system. They've got finance, HR, inventory, e-commerce. Everything is in one place. So your systems are communicating with each other. You really, as a business owner, you can see your bottom line. You can see your numbers. And if you're a business owner, you know that is the most important thing to making your profits is knowing your numbers. NetSuite is going to give you visibility and control so you can manage every penny with precision. Join over 20,000 companies who trust NetSuite to go faster with confidence. Uh, by, by the way, again, I'm going to remind you, if you don't know your numbers, you do not know your business. You need NetSuite. You can get your free guide, seven actions businesses need to take now and schedule a free product tour. All you have to do is go to netsuite.com slash why. Get that free guide. Schedule your free product tour unless you don't like making money. I mean, I guess if you don't like making money, you don't need to go. But if you enjoy making money and being an entrepreneur and a successful business owner, go to netsuite.com slash why. That is netsuite.com slash why. Back in a minute.
All right. California Governor Gavin Newsom is now allowing retail stores to uh, open curbside pickup. So you can't go in the store, but luckily you can offer curbside pickup uh, starting on Friday. Now, he did tell all of his residents that they are not going back to normal anytime soon. They must embrace the new normal. He also said, this is what really gets me. He said it's a new normal with adaptations and modifications until we get to immunity and a vaccine. (laughs) Now, Wow. Yeah, we can get into that because that is really terrifying. And I would it would if that's truly what happens, set such a crazy precedent to say we can't go back out into society until a vaccine is uh, tested and manufactured and released. But uh, so, yeah, he said reopened for curbside pickup. Uh, The uh, employees must wear masks. They have to wear masks. And uh, among these services, because not everyone can do it right. uh, They can have sporting goods stores, clothing stores, bookstores flower shops, and uh, basically what they call lower-risk workplaces. So um, the higher-risk workplaces, hair salons, nail salons, gyms, all those places, uh, obviously those are not allowed, including, by the way, in-person religious services. Those are not, I mean, obviously it's California. So he's not looking to let you go back to church anytime soon over there in California. Uh, Jason, what are your thoughts on how California is handling this pandemic. I've got a lot of relatives that live in California. That's where my wife's family's from. I lived there forever. Um, it literally is living like behind an iron curtain. <laughs> Seriously is. It's California stand. It's insane. Um, I'm amazed about how they're just kind of willing to accept all this. Like it does not compute in my head at, at all. And not only that, but they become little, you know, brown shirt activists for a lot of these things. There's now there's there, there are some people standing up. I, I remember like, uh, what was that? Uh, Huntington Beach, or I can't remember, San Clemente, where they had that one protest, Mm -hmm. uh, specifically because of the parks and Mm -hmm. stuff. There's small pockets of resistance within that socialist republic. Um, Which, by the way, do include my friends, the hippies. Really? They they do not like being told that they cannot get sunshine and not go to the beach. (laughs) They don't appreciate it. It took this for them to finally Right. Uh, That's okay. Welcome. (laughs) Welcome. Welcome to the party. Join us. Um, Until we get a vaccine thing is absolutely insane. So this is the mindset of the government can save you from this virus, right? Mm-hmm. right? right. The, the lockdown was never for that. Nope. It was just so that hospitals wouldn't get overwhelmed right. in, in that in, initial wave. Now, you cannot sit this out until you save us, mm-hmm. until you come riding in and save us, because you're not going to. What's absolutely insane is you're gonna be, they're going to be sitting there with masks on for 18 months. Now, watch when this thing lifts. Let's say a vaccine finally comes out. Their economy is utterly destroyed. Um, and then the mask can finally come off. Now, what do you think is going to happen when that happens? They're going to get hit with all kinds of regular viruses because they've screwed their bodies up. They have no natural immunity anymore from anything else. So I guarantee you there's going to be an outbreak of flu, regular flu. There's going to be an outbreak of who the heck else knows because this is not how it's supposed to work. Right. You're not supposed to walk around with these masks on using all these stupid uh, uh, hand sanitizers crap all the time, killing off all your, you know, all the, all the good bugs in your body from doing its job. It's not supposed to work that way. But that was never what the lockdown was meant for. And I think it says a lot when you have a person in power that will stand up and say, look, I'm going to save you from a virus, which is so ludicrous, but I can't believe people actually uh, believe that. It's going to take 12 months or so, but continue to do what we say. Yeah, screw you. Uh, I'm sorry. Josh, it really is interesting to see how far the goalposts have moved on this, as Jason was saying. Uh, I mean, 
I feel like I, I kept having to remind people, you guys, you're not you're not staying in your homes to wait until a, uh, a virus is eradicated. That's not the way it works. Away. I know. Right? It's, it's not just going to just become self-eradicated because you've been staying inside your homes. Oh, and by the way, going to the grocery store and the liquor stores and all of these other right. places. So you're not truly quarantining. Um, it, it's very interesting to see how quickly the mainstream media and even a lot of doctors in the medical community just kind of lost that narrative and shifted towards the we have to make sure that we never get this virus ever. You know, Sarah, I have an 84-year-old grandpa uh, living in Boca Raton, Florida, because where else would a Jewish grandfather live <laughs> other than Boca Raton, Florida, um, who smoked packs of cigarettes for decades. He's not I, he's physically very slim, but his lungs are not in great capacity. He's basically a high-risk person for yeah. this disease. My grandpa has told me that he will not leave his house until there's a vaccine. And you know what? That's his decision That's his to choice. make. That's yes. his choice. He's, yes. a, he's, a, he's 84. He's a high-risk person, obviously. That's his choice. That is all the difference in the world, an 84-year-old's personal choice, than the, gover- than the government telling you mm-hmm. that you're not going to do this until there's a freaking vaccine out there. Mm-hmm. I mean, right. I don't honestly have a whole lot to add other than what Jason said. I mean, the, as you said, the goalpost shifting is just out of this world insane. I mean, when these, when these draconian lockdown policies first started— we as a society, to the extent we consented at all, we were consenting to the flattening of the curve rhetoric, obviously. Yeah. And don't even get, you know, let's not, let's not get started on the, on the studies and how all the studies were way off, whatever. But at the time, we thought that we were consenting literally for one metric and one metric only, which was limiting the hospital load. That was the only metric in, the, in everything that was relevant. It was not the lethality rate, not the fatality rate, not the, uh, how easily the, tra- the disease is transmitted. None of that was relevant. It was literally one thing, and it was a hospital load. The fact that we could be waiting for a vaccine was uh, it is out it was outside the realm of anything that anything that anyone was even considering discussing. It was orders of magnitude outside that. Quick comment on California, though. So California is an interesting state, right? You have this like very slender coastline that is that, that is like bright, bright blue. But all you have to do is go 25, 30 miles inland, mm. and it's like a whole different country. I mean, I just anecdotally, I remember a couple of years ago, I was doing a Claremont Institute Fellowship. Out of New, we were in Newport Beach. I got to basically see the ocean from our hotel. We went to the gun range in, like, Riverside County or something. It was, it was about a 35, 40-minute drive, so we were literally just going, like, straight east from the coast inland. Mm-hmm. I felt like I was in real America at that point. <laughs> like, I mean, it felt like Arizona, Nevada. Like, yeah. it, was, it felt like Utah. It was like a good western state. So not all of California is crazy. Unfortunately, the people who control this state are in that very slender blue coastline. And I wouldn't want to live there because of that. Um, I don't think, I, honestly, if I were living inland in California, I might kind of take, a, take something from my Texas friends and start talking about secession a little bit. Not, <laughs> not, not quite going to go there. But, um, yeah, this vaccine talk is just absolutely nuts. Cal- on your point, California is like the perfect case study on why the Electoral College is so important. Yes. Because the entire state is being held captive by populist areas, uh, populist areas, L.A., right. San Francisco, places like that. Everyone lives under the mandate of how they believe right there. Mm-hmm. And everyone's screwed. I know. I, I, I worked a few, several elections when, when I lived there. And I flew up to Northern Cal- uh, California. And I was like, where is, has, has this place been the entire time I've lived here? It's so completely different. Right. There's Republicans everywhere up there. Right. But they're obviously not in you know, San Francisco where there's like, what, five million progressives that are all voting and controlling the entire state in that one spot. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I even look at Texas and how Texas has oh, been handling this. I just saw a, a headline last night that said Dallas County is already alerting the parents in their school district that um, they should prepare for at-home learning in the fall and that, you know, they, the students might come once or twice a week, but they should be prepared for online learning. And I'm like, okay, if even Texas goes through with the ludicrous idea 
that even in the fall, we are still going to have to have our children at home. I'm just done for. So that's Dallas, right? Yeah, Dallas, Dallas County. Yeah, you think about the things that are going Dallas on. Dallas ISD, excuse me. Things that are going on in, 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 uh, in Texas are insane. You think about it, it's with Donald Trump as president, Greg Abbott as the governor, right. and you have all these things going on yeah. just because of these little pockets like that. There's, like, there's some hardcore blue areas in Texas oh, yeah. that people just don't even know about. Well, but I'm, and I'm, I mean, I'm thinking to myself, you know, we're talking about how crazy California is. Uh, they're going to eliminate their right to go on the beaches, which is a great thing you can do for your immune system, by the way, is go <laughs> get some sunshine, some vitamin D. They don't want you to be allowed to do that. You know, they're eliminating the ways that you can help yourself and stay healthy. And then I look at Texas and I'm like, Every study that we've that they've done shows that children are not really at high risk unless it's there's some sort of underlying immune uh, condition. Oh. They're not at high risk. They're, the latest study I saw said that children might not even be able to transmit it. So it's like, why are we even talking about the possibility of at-home learning for children next semester in the fall? It just seems insane. Yeah, I mean, my mom. Giving into the panic? Giving into the fear? We're giving into the panic. I mean, look, I mean, my mom's a fourth grade public school teacher up in uh, New York, not in Texas, but I mean, the rhetoric there is the exact same. I mean, they're talking about Zoom forever. I mean, like, I mean, like, I mean, like, I mean, I, my, my, my mom rightfully complains to me all the time about how terrible it is. It's um, awful. It, 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 it's, it's truly terrible, but like, Texas, look, we, we live in a fascinating state, okay? I mean, 2018, when Cruz B. Beto O'Rourke, uh, sorry, Robert Francis, quote Beto O'Rourke, I'm, I'm sorry, Sarah. <laughs> Um, by what, 2.6 points to win seven points statewide? Tarrant County, where Fort Worth was, went to Beto by less than one point. And that was the first time that Tarrant County, I think, went blue in any kind of statewide election in decades. So, you know, look, I, I am not one of those people who say that Texas is going to be blue in a decade. That's not where I am. But it, it's a real issue. It's a real issue. I mean, in, 20, in 2012, in Collin County, where Plano is, right here in the Dallas-Fort Worth suburbs, um, when Cruz beat uh, whoever his challenge, I can't remember, whoever his challenge was at the time, he won Collin County by, by roughly 40 points, 70-30. That turned into a 10-point, 55-45 margin in 2018. So wow. we've got to really focus here on, in Texas on those suburbs. I mean, the inner cities, Dallas County, where I live, Harris County, where Houston, might be a lost cause, but the, suburb, the suburbs is where it's at. That's where we've got to fight. And to your point, the, the schools and the beaches, th- those are not the high-risk areas. Oh. That's what, when all the statistics are coming out right now, the vast majority are in nursing homes or in those high-risk yep. uh, demographics. Mm-hmm. Th- those people need to be safeguarded, like your grandfather. They need to be safeguarded. We need to do everything we can to safeguard them. But people on beaches, they're not, they're not getting this virus and dying in massive scale. People from schools, they, they weren't catching it or, or any, in any of those age groups. They weren't catching it like this. Yeah. We're trying to, like, run the entire country based off the narrative of New York City or Manhattan. That, that's like the, that's like they're like, hey, because it's so bad in Manhattan, oh, my gosh, let's run the entire let's clamp down the entire country because of Manhattan. Mm-hmm. Are you kidding me? Yeah, it just makes absolutely no sense whatsoever, especially if uh, you're going to call yourself the party of science. Uh, all right. We've got more to come. First, we want to thank our sponsor, Keeps. So. If you are losing your hair, <clears throat> I don't want to. I don't want to single anyone out <laughs> here who could possibly be here. If you are losing your hair, I know men. You guys get like so self-conscious about it. I don't know why. It doesn't have anything to do with anything you're doing. It's just in your genes. Well, you got to try Keeps. Keeps offers the generic versions of the only two FDA-approved hair loss products. These are the real deal, and they're also going to save you a fortune. Uh, and you can do it all online. You don't have to go to the doctor. We know you're a man. You're not going to go to the doctor, okay, unless your wife makes you. You don't have 
too, with Keeps. You just go online, answer a couple questions, take a couple pictures of your hair. The doctor will evaluate everything, recommend the right FDA-approved hair loss treatment, and then they ship it directly to your door. You don't even have to leave your couch, which is good because uh, all of these states and governors are telling you you must stay on your couch. So right now to get you started, we've got you half off your first order. You can go to keeps.com slash YWHY. That is keeps.com slash Y. We've got you half off right now. Keeps.com slash Y. Back in one minute. update on uh, one of yesterday's stories. Dallas salon owner Shelly Luther, uh, she owns Salon a la Mode. She was actually sentenced to seven days in jail uh, for defying the orders set forth by uh, the judge, Clay Jenkins, of Dallas County to shut her business down. Of course, I said she's a hair salon owner, so they said you're not allowed to open. They, she opened. She said, we got to feed our families. We've got to feed our families. I've been on the unemployment line for, uh, I think she said that she used an auto dialer and called over 500 times, could not get through, which is not surprising since over 2 million Americans are now out of work. I'm sorry, 2 million Texans are now out of work. And uh, so she tried to call, couldn't get through, said, you know what, screw it. I'm opening my doors anyway. I have to feed my kids. My uh, my hairstylists have to feed their kids. And she got sent- sentenced to seven days in jail, plus fines. Now, when the judge was sentencing her, this is what's so crazy, yesterday, the judge was sentencing her, and he said, you can avoid jail time, Shelley, if you would just admit to me publicly right here that you were wrong and that you were selfish. Uh, and Shelley did not take too kindly to that, but in a very Texan uh, female way, was uh, still classy in her response. Here is what Shelley had to say in response to the judge insisting you can just avoid jail time if you just admit you're wrong and selfish. Watch. Judge, I would like to say that I have much respect for this court and laws. And that I've never been been in this position before. And it's not some place that I want to be. But... I have to disagree with you, sir, when I when you say that I'm selfish, because feeding my kids is not selfish. Wow. I have hairstylists that are going hungry because they'd rather feed their kids. So, sir, if you think the law is more important than kids getting fed, then please go ahead with your decision. But I am not going to shut the salon. I have chills. I have chills. Uh, So, so far today at the time of this taping, uh, Texas Attorney General Ken Paxton and also, of course, Governor Abbott, they have both released statements. Basically, I mean, I think Paxton's was a little more, uh, you know, heavily worded than than Abbott's. He said, I'm I'm calling for the immediate release of uh, Shelley Luther. Obviously, he can't make them um, under his statement. Governor Abbott kind of said the same thing. He said, hey, when I gave this order, I didn't mean for these things to happen. I didn't mean for people to be jailed. Um, I don't agree with the decision. That's about as far as Governor Abbott went. But so far, as of the time of this taping, Shelley Luther still sits in jail. Jason, I feel like you have a lot to say on this. Ooh, a lot. <laughs> um, so when I first saw this, the first thing, I'm going to talk real fast because I do have a ton to say. First time I saw this, I had that chill moment where I, I first read Atlas Shrugged, I think when I was in the 10th tenth, tenth grade. Mm-hmm. And I remember seeing, uh, the what was the steel guy's name? Uh, Reardon, when he's the the the, uh, the courtroom scene where they're all he's squaring off with the judges and they're basically giving him a, the spiel similar to that and he stood there and finally said no you know I, I will sell to whoever I want to sell it doesn't for the common good what are you talking about for the common good I'm I'm a businessman I'm going to sell 
based off of who I want to sell to. And I just, it was just always amazing. But that was basically the same exact thing. We used to say, I mean, I think it was Martin Luther King that, uh, that said that if, it, if a law or uh, he actually said a law, even though this is not a law, mm. she's standing in defiance against a freaking executive order. This is not a law. But she's standing in defiance of that. But Martin Luther King used to say, if, if its law was unjust and you were willing to, accept, you know, to, to show that it's unjust, break that law, and be willing to go to prison for that, then you have more respect for the law than the people that are trying to enforce the unjust, injustice on you. Boom, right there. And that's exactly what that is. Mm-hmm. And if anyone else wants to say that this woman is selfish for that, give me a freaking break. This is unjust. Yeah. And there is no non-essential business when you have your starving family on one side and on the other side you've got what the heck do i do mm-hmm. um all businesses if it, if, it, if it goes towards your livelihood are are essential mm-hmm. they all are and the government has no right to say for the common good you're a non-essential now screw that and screw you yeah. so i love shelly she's a freaking hero yeah josh uh you know shelly continues to mention in her interviews that the uh, the dog groomer a couple doors down from her salon allowed to be open considered essential However, oh uh, grooming gosh. dogs, more important than grooming humans, she had to be closed. Oh so this is one of the most tyrannical aspects of all of this, is just the utterly arbitrary way that these governors, municipal mayors, etc., are just going about choosing what is essential and what is not. And obviously the progressives are going to shut down the gun stores and promote the abortion clinics. But something like this... How do you even rationalize that? I mean, that's just like beyond arbitrary. Um, quick comment on that video. Doesn't the judge look like Bane from like the third? <laughs> the third like he a little does. bit. Yeah. Well, and also I want to be like, um, excuse me, Your Honor, the, it, the mask doesn't work when you have a beard. <laughs> I, I, that's I've, it's been in all the headlines. I don't know how you missed it, but it should not work when you have a beard. Yeah. You're not wearing it right. Um, I, I've heard the same thing. Uh, unfortunately for me, because my beard was quite long last week, but um. <laughs> On the uh, you know, on the legal point, look, I I, I actually was going to make the comparison to the civil rights civil yes. de- disobedience myself. Um, now, look, two things can be true at once, of course. I, I I'm a I'm a lawyer. I'm a barred lawyer here in Texas. I happen to be suing the state bar of Texas on a First Amendment claim. Uh, that a lawsuit that was now a year and a half old. We're still waiting on our judge to rule on it, but I am still technically a member of the state bar of Texas. So I'm not going to like get here get on here and encourage people to violate the right. law, even if it's not a law, if it's an executive order, whatever. Having said that, okay, the American constitutional order, the English common, the, the common law tradition that we inherited from England, our statutory law, our written law, etc., collectively we'll call that the positive law. It's a law that we as a society have positively decreed. Legal theorists for hundreds of years, really for a thousand years, honestly, if not longer than that, probably going back to the ancient Greeks, honestly, so thousands of years, have understood that that is not the highest law. The highest law, of course, is the natural law. Mm-hmm. And under any coherent theory of natural law, you have a natural right to earn a living, okay? When Thomas Jefferson wrote in the Declaration of Independence that you have a natural right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, directly implied in there is that you have a right to earn a living. You have a right to bring home the proverbial bread and the bacon, to put food on your family's table, and to live happily. And, you know, again, I'm not going to like get here and like applaud, per se, someone who is violating the law, but wink, wink, nudge, nudge. <laughs> um, natural law is above our positive law. Yeah, uh, I know. I've tweeted out Shelley's GoFundMe if anyone is interested Same. in, in uh, contributing to her legal expenses. I know there have been a lot of Americans who have contributed in the last 24 hours. It's over uh, 300,000. Yeah, time it's been really, really amazing to watch uh, America come together over this. We've got more coming up. First, we want to thank our sponsor, Rough Greens. So if you are a dog parent, 
Okay, you're not really a parent, but if you are a dog owner uh, and you want to think, oh, I'm feeding my dog the best food out there. I'm giving them the best of the best. I spend so much money on this dry food. Yeah, if you're giving them dry food, there's nothing left that's alive in it, all right? They have to sterilize it for that really long shelf life that they give it. So uh, it's losing all of the vitamins, the nutrients, everything that your dog needs to live a healthy life. So that is where Rough Greens comes in. Uh, It's not a dog food, by the way. You use your dog food, you sprinkle it on top of the dog's food, and it brings back all of the nutrients that are missing in your dog's food. Vitamins, minerals, digestive enzymes, probiotics, omega oils, antioxidants. By the way, I am, like I've mentioned before, I am a conservative hippie, okay? So I go, I take my my pets to a homeopathic vet. Yeah, I said it. Send me hate mail. I don't care. But what I am here to tell you is that he has all of this ridiculous stuff. It's so expensive. And it's like three, three different products that I have to use to get everything that is already in Rough Greens in one product. And it's way more expensive. If you want to see your dog thrive, you have got to try Rough Greens. All right. Take the Rough Greens. 14-day jumpstart challenge. It's $14.95. You will see the difference in your dog in 14 days or less. All you got to do is go to roughgreens.com slash blaze. That is R-U-F-F, rough, rough, roughgreens.com slash blaze. Back in a minute. All right, Nancy Pelosi, is. Uh, she's refusing to answer any more questions about the sexual assault allegations against Joe Biden. She, the case is closed for her, apparently, because Joe is Joe. Here's what Nancy had to say. Do you view this uh, as a closed issue, or what is your response? Well, it is for me. Uh, I have said I am proud to support Joe Biden for president. Uh, I believe him when he says it didn't happen. Uh, but I also believe him when he says let them in, uh, look into the records. Uh, and that's what they should do. But I'm not going to answer this question again. Uh, I, I will just say I have every confidence uh, that Joe Biden will be a great president of the United States, uh, not only because of the person of integrity that he is, but the person of vision that he is for just some of the things you talked about. Joe Biden is Joe. <laughs> Believe all women unless the man's a Democrat. Yeah. <laughs> nah. Pass, Jason. The silence from the both. I'd say I would. I was just about to say from Democrats on this has been deafening, but also from the media, how they've handled. Well, that's kind of the same. Very true. Very true. (laughs) Um, The difference between Kavanaugh and now is just so ridiculous. I think that's kind of the biggest thing to pull out of this is how they're treating it. I've um, so Glenn's show tonight is going to be all about this, and and we kind of we kind of took it of look. Let's. There's a standard that actually, ironically enough, Joe Biden helped set back during the Obama administration. He's the one that pretty much started this. We'll just believe all women. And there's multiple stories about how this severely screwed the lives of several people on college campuses. Um, But he's the one that helped start this. Now, it's kind of coming back and biting him right now. But... There's, we kind of we need to redefine this standard or this lens that we look through some of these cases. You know, uh, how credible is the case? Like, when was it made? You know, were there were there witnesses? Were you know did the, are they you know an you know a, an operative uh, you know for somebody like you know for the Clintons or for this person? You know, they have a dog in this fight. Basically, we need to analyze all these things, and that's kind of I, th- I think they've done that. In, you know, the media has in this case for Terry. They didn't do that for for Kavanaugh. Mm. That's pretty much how the standard has to be all the time. We've got to look with, through all these cases at, you know, with, with you know, skepticism. We have to be skeptical about it. Um, believe all women? No. Listen to all women? Yes. 
Mm-hmm. Two different things. Mm-hmm. Josh? Yeah, again, the goalpost shifting here is just out of this world. I mean, like, the same people who are saying believe all women with Kavanaugh are, are trying to do this listen to all women. Yeah. Literally not the same thing, okay? Like, all you need is probably a second or third grade English language education to understand that believe and listen to are not the same. I can listen to a million different things that I don't believe. I can listen to religious doctrines, political doctrines, anything that, like, I find absolutely, utterly insane. That doesn't mean I believe in it, for God's sake. So we're talking just like an elementary English language misunderstanding. Although, honestly, misunderstanding is giving too much credit to these people. It's a willful, deliberate obfuscation. They are, and it's comical is what... Comical, actually, is not even, like, bad enough. It, it, it would be comical were it not so uh, disastrous. And it's disastrous because you know who it harms, obviously. All these shenanigans, who they harm are the actual genuine victims of sexual assault, mm-hmm. okay? That is who is being harmed here. And, you know, like, Nancy Pelosi, obviously Nancy Pelosi doesn't have, like, an, you know, a bone filled with integrity in her entire body. Mm-hmm. And she hasn't had that for decades now. I mean, talk about someone who has sold out to the, to, to the Chinese repeatedly. Her and Dianne Feinstein are oftentimes on an entirely different level. But, look... I don't actually have a strong opinion on the merits, honestly, on the Reed Biden claim. I frankly haven't spent a whole lot of time digging into it. Um, I'm like, I'm pretty agnostic. I mean, may, maybe it happened, maybe it didn't. But I value so much more than having a strong opinion on the merits is intellectual consistency. Yes. Don't be a freaking yes. hypocrite. Like, yeah. take one standard and stick with it. Yeah. Have some courage here. There is there is leagues more. There's more reason to f- actually call for an investigation, an investigation yes. if if you're just if you're analyzing both Kavanaugh and the uh, and, and the Tara Reid uh, stuff. Uh, Blasey, Christine Blasey Ford had nobody corroborating her story. Mm-hmm. Not only that, but the people she said were her friends. They were her friends, mind you. She said they would corroborate it. They said, no, that did not happen. And not only that, but no, I don't think that happened at all. Mm-hmm. On this case, uh, Tara Reid has multiple people saying that, hey, you know, back in 93, 94, she came right up to me and said this happened. Um, so now, some of them say harassment. She talked talk to them about harassment. Some of them actually say that there was assault. Yeah. So... Again, there's weirdness here. She has more. Uh, she has more corroborating witnesses, but she also just has some funkiness going on too. She's changed her story. At first, yeah. last year she said there was just harassment. Then later, a year later, she said, "No, he also assaulted me." Why would you do that? Yeah, there's this also is a great reason to investigate it. Exactly. We need more information. Period. Mm-hmm. On this, but but another weird thing though that that I had. There's the Russia thing. I'm not even gonna go there because I'm so sick of that. Um, she did write blogs that were like, hey, I love me some Pro Putin Russia, in Russia. Yeah. Okay, whatever. I personally don't think that matters. What I do think matters is she did, as of like maybe two years ago, she was still writing, uh, I don't want to say op-eds, but like blog posts and tweeting favorably towards Joe Biden. Mm-hmm. Now, you're not saying, hey, this guy's a champion of women's rights if he sexually assaulted you and you were planning on coming out in a couple years ago and, and calling him that. That makes that That's an inconsistency, again, that needs to be looked into. Yeah, and I will say, Josh, to your point, just about consistency mm-hmm. on the side of the left, you know, you have Lisa Bloom, who is the daughter of Gloria Allred, who mm-hmm. is also, you know, Lisa is also herself a prominent uh, hashtag Me Too attorney, prominent feminist. She even came out and said, she didn't say, I don't believe her. She said, I believe Tara Reid. I see how Joe Biden is. It, I just, I'm really sorry but I'm going to vote for him anyway because we have to get rid of Donald Trump. I mean, that right there tells you exactly how the left feels when it comes to true sexual assault allegations. It's not whether or not they really have the conviction that, you know, they want to help women. It's just does it politically benefit them to call something out? 
So wasn't it Gloria, one of y'all correct me if I'm wrong, but wasn't it Gloria Allred who in the late 1990s said that Bill Clinton could be getting, you know what, in the Oval Office and he would, and she would still vote for him if he made abortion legal? I think that was Gloria Allred, was, wasn't her. it? So it runs in the like family. Like mother, like daughter. Yeah, it, 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 it apparently runs in the family. Yeah. Um, I mean, just disgraceful stuff. Yeah. That, that, right. Along with that, just really quick. Real quick. Real quick. That, that co-founder of the Hill and Politico who said the exact same thing. Yes. Absolutely insane. Said he didn't care what happened. He was still voting. I want a coronation of Joe Biden. All right, back in a minute. It's sickening. He said that even if that causes more uh, fewer women to come. All right, yesterday's poll, should Trump bail out the states or let them go bankrupt? Overwhelmingly, you said, let him go bankrupt. Go bankrupt. You heartless people. Just kidding, I agree with you. Uh, 93% of you said bankrupt. 7% said bailout. Today's poll, what would be the hardest thing to sit through and watch beginning to end? All right, here are your options. Are you ready? This is, I don't know how you pick. <laughs> Becoming by Michelle Obama, Reliable Sources with Brian Stelter, Joe Biden's podcast, or the Cuomo brothers bantering on live television. I pick jump off a bridge. That's what I pick. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm going. I'm. I'm definitely watching Joe Biden's podcast. That'd be freaking hilarious. That's true. So can I do my own poll where I say that's the one I actually want to watch? Because I can't imagine. I probably wouldn't be able to get oh, through I that. One. Don't fight the hypothetical, Jason. <laughs> <laughs> we established that earlier. Yeah. That I. I. I mean, you can't. You can't pick. Stelter, honestly, to me, would be the most insufferable because Brian Stelter is the most insufferable human being on this entire planet. But there's no wrong choice there. You know what's so crazy? I read he was 34. It blew my mind. Yes, I know. Thank you. I just blew your mind, too. What? I couldn't believe it. I was like... What if you have, like, 48 or 50? I know. Holy crap. Whoa, not a good look for a seltzer. (laughs) 